All right, here we go. This is gonna be a great one. A good friend of mine, my partner from 20 plus years ago, Tim Mackey, EVP Emeritus in New Orleans. Tim, thanks for joining us. No, thank you, Jim. I'm glad to be here. I'm excited. Well, this there are very few people that I could open up a discussion with in terms of asking about the impact of the Wim Hof method, but you are definitely one. So I'd love for you to share your perspective on Wim Hof from whatever vantage point you choose, whether that's cold exposure or breathing or physical exertion. Well, Jim, you know, probably all my adult life, I've been, I'm gonna say an adventure sportsman. I've uh, done marathons, hikes, trail runs, you name it. What's the longest race you've done? Uh, 150 miles in the Sahara Desert. 150 miles in the Sahara Desert, multi-day stage race. And hot. Yeah. 125 plus. You got to carry all your equipment with you. The only thing they give you along the way is water. So back to Wim, that's a game changer. It's a life changer. It almost was unbelievable at first. But you know, since you recommended, recommended it to me, I took it for truth. I said, well, Jim doesn't do anything without experimenting and going through the facts. So let me see what he's got. Probably for the first two weeks, I went through it start feeling the effects. And I said, this is just incredible. I can't believe this for the most part. You know, then I fought and, and to And to clarify, we're talking breathing, right? Breathing. Breathing, breathing at first. Yep. Yep. Yes. And then I merged into the cold showers, conquered that. So then I started feeling the combined effects of it. Now, you know, I work out just about every day. And I always thought inflammation was just a part of the workout process. So I'm gonna say the number one astounding thing was inflammation went away. I mean, I could do a heavy workout with weights one day, the next day I wake up, I'm fresh, I'm ready to go. I may go for a four, five, six mile run. That was a game changer because before the inflammation would have me, you know, let me take a down day, let me kind of chill out, relax, get myself back together. So the combination of it all is really astounding to me. If somebody heard that and they think, all right, so where do I get started? What would be the first step from your perspective? The breathing. Breathing. Pull it up. Yeah, get, get your breathing together because it's a whole new your body has to get adapted to taking in air, releasing. We don't normally do that. You know, we get up, we kind of breathe, we go for a run, you kind of adapt, your body kind of merges into whatever's going on. I think this reconditions your lungs and body to absorb more. I think it increases your capacity. Yeah, yep. Energizes you, great morning routine. And your, your observation that inflammation, which you would think is a normal part of life, actually is not. It's fixable. And we don't need medicine. Let me go a totally different direction. Let's go back to the year 2000. You and I are partners with Ed Feynman, 
with Rick Audis and with Ben Hudson. And both you and I, I know, were profoundly impacted by the coaching that we received from Ed in our business and in our lives. I wonder when you reflect back on that period, what might be some of the most powerful messages or impact from Ed when you reflect on it, whether it's your life or your business? Well, let me take a step back, Jim. I came from a family environment where I'm the youngest child on both sides of my family. I'm the youngest grandchild. So I grew up in an environment of listening and learning. That was just a part of my DNA. The one thing I appreciated about Ed Feynman, he was a teacher. He, he was like a, a big brother to me. I always felt that Ed cared. He would tell you what's on his mind, but it always was out of love and instructions for you to get better. So I felt very, I felt right at home with Ed. I could tell Ed anything. I would disanticipate he's going to give me his gut reaction, his gut feeling, his gut instructions. So I always felt like, you know, Ed's not going to lead me astray. And I felt like I was coming into a family of brothers, really. I was just, again, uh, the next child in, just to use that term, into a family that we were making great things happen and we had a great leader. He went out of his way to teach. It was not accidental. I mean, you could feel it. He was, you know, people talk about teachable moments. He was extremely conscientious about making sure that we were learning. Right. And you know, Jim, Ed always had this kind of motion he went through. You know, he would give you an idea and then he would say, well, you know, and you knew what he was doing. It was like, you know, this is what I would do. So, and you trusted that it's like, well, if Ed is saying it, let's go with it. Let's reflect back on your career. Okay. You, you breaking into the business. What was that like for you? Well, you know, I was, I was in the military. And then when I got out the military, I, I was an accountant for a large corporation. And I found out very quickly, dude, I don't think you're gonna make a phenomenal accountant. You need another option. <laughs> I was not good at counting and measuring things. I could do it, but I didn't wake up in the morning excited about that. So fortunate for me, Jim, uh, a guy that I was in the military with started with the equitable and became a, man a manager. I became a client of his. And as we talked, he would always say, you know, Tim, based on your discipline and your work ethic, this would be a great career for you. And my first initial reaction was, no, dude, I went to college uh, to be an accountant, not to be an insurance agent. But you know what's ironic about that? My mother was an insurance agent way back in the 40s. Uh, huh. Uh, it's just ironic how things come full circle. So, you know, what I learned very quickly coming into the career that I was good with building relationships with people. I'd always had trustful relationships. So transitioning people from those trustful relationships to client, I found to be very easy and rewarding. I, I found that I was having a big impact 
on people's financial direction very quickly. Now, because of that, I never anticipated going into management. That was not my goal. Man, I was working basically four days a week, controlling my time. I was like, man, this is great. This is much different than the military where they knew where you were every minute of the day, you know? So, you know, a friend of mine now, he's passed away, but he was a VP at the time and he would travel around uh, to the different branches talking about leadership development. And he said, you know, Tim, you should move into management. You just have that skill set. I said, no, 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 I don't want to do that. He said, look, let's make a deal. I said, okay, try it for a year. If it doesn't work out, you go back in personal production. And to be frank about it, Jim, you know, I was in New Orleans. I was one of three Black advisors at the time. And they had not hired a black in the branch in eight years. You know, I don't think it was deliberate. Just that's just the way things were. So they wanted me to move into management, of course, to help diversify the branch, et cetera. So the bottom line, the deal was I'll try it for a year. If it doesn't work out, I'll go back into personal production. 30 years later, here I am. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, what can I say? <laughs> you know? Well, let me fill in a couple of blanks. So you're a Hall right. of Fame, you're a Hall of Fame EVP. That's 20 years of being an EVP. It's a very short list of branch managers ever that have achieved that distinction. And that was in Virginia and Great Lakes, Detroit, and then New Orleans, where you went right. back to your hometown and created a branch, which has got to be unbelievably difficult. When you reflect back on those 20 years as a senior leader. Are there one or two things that stand out as items that you're really proud of to this day? Well, yes. First of all, I'm really proud of the advisors I've been able to hire, nurture, watch their careers grow and the impact on their families. Because now I'm watching their children graduate from college and the family begin to live the lifestyle that some of them never imagined. But I would say the high point was coming back to New Orleans. You know, the New Orleans branch had been in existence before since about 1880. Then when Katrina came along, they closed the branch. And there was a long pause, and I'm sure lots of consideration of will they ever reestablish their branch? Now there's only been maybe three, two cases before that a branch was closed and reopened. One was the branch in Hawaii for World War II. They closed that branch and reopened it. You know, I always do my historical research, you know, to see where I <laughs> And then I think there was a branch in Texas that had closed during the depression that they had reopened. So New Orleans was next. So when, when Buckingham came to me at the time, he said, look, Tim, we are really thinking about reopening New Orleans and you're the only branch manager in the system that's from New Orleans. What do you think about going back home? I said, Bucky, it would be a pleasure. It would be an emotional charge for me because 
I knew that environment. I knew many of the advisors that were still there. They had lost hope of whether or not that branch was re would reopen. Now, the funny thing about it, there's no playbook, Jim, about reopening hmm. the branch. It's not like you can go online or pull a book off the shelf and say, hey, this is what you do, one, two, three, four, five. But you know, I accepted the challenge because I always, I don't look at problems, Jim. I focus on solutions in life, always. There's always gonna be problems. I'm a solutions guy. Bring me the problem, I'm gonna focus on the solution. My goal was to land in New Orleans and have that branch up and running in six months. I'm talking about facilities, lights, agents in the office, everything. So for six months, I hired a staff. We worked out of one little office space. By the way, Jim, we were the first virtual branch. Yeah. Um, I just want to let you know that we was just ahead of the curve. We didn't know the pandemic was coming, but... In six months, we were up and running, operational, well-established. That was a major joy of my career. So that would be the high point, I would say. One of the things, I'll give you a final question. One of the things that I've noticed in my travels is the breadth of the impact that you've had and that it continues. If we go to a diversity summit, we had the impact day last week in Cleveland. It is the number of advisors across the country that acknowledge that you've had a huge impact on their thinking, on their execution, on their career. Let's say we've got an advisor that is struggling, that is listening to this. What type of advice do you give to somebody that's struggling for a sense of self and is not so sure what they should do next? I think the first thing I would ask them have a passion for this career? Is it really, really in your gut? Do you like what we do? Do you feel it's a noble cause? Do you get great satisfaction for changing people's lives in a positive way? If the answer is yes, the first thing I tell them is don't give up. <laughs> you can't yeah. give up. Second thing is you got to surround yourself with like-minded people that are determined to succeed. Find a mentor, find coaches, listen to things that's gonna improve your life and your career. You have to get in a positive frame of mind. See, we all deal with things every day that wanna take us in the wrong direction. That's just the way life is. It's like listening to the news all day. I don't think that's a good idea because the news thrives on tragedy. Yeah. I'm trying to cipher through what's true, not true, whatever. So you gotta, you gotta not give up, have a passion for what you do, find positive mentors and coaches because somebody has been through what you're going through at that moment. The one thing about Equitable's culture that I've always endeared you talk to any successful agent, advisor, manager, somebody helped them. Somebody reached down deep and gave that person something to energize them to move forward to the next day. And I can count numerous people that have impacted my life like that. So yep. advisors talk or managers talk about 
what I've done for them, I've done no more than what somebody has done for me. Uh, that's a high degree of humility. You have had a massive impact and you should be proud of that. I've loved this discussion. Tim Mackey, thank you.